let me welcome you to Stevenson High Kirk here in North Ayrshire for our morning devotions. Well, as many of you will know, from tomorrow here in Scotland, much of the restrictions will be lifted, including that of social distancing. When meeting in larger groups, we're still encouraged, though, to be sensible and to keep everyone safe. Well, here at the High Kirk, we'll be continuing with the one-metre social distancing just for the next few weeks as we transition to worshipping together. Well, it is our prayer and hope that as we enter September, we will experience a greater degree of freedom in our worship. So please join us in prayer as we long to see a wonderful move of God where many in our community will come and meet with God. Therefore, at the beginning of September, we hope to have a homecoming morning service. So we'll keep you informed over the coming weeks. Well, for those who would love to join us in the church at 10.30 this morning, if you can, please contact Margaret Durham by phoning 077 48 248 187 or follow the contact information on our church website at stevensonhighkirk.com. Well, don't worry if you haven't phoned in advance, we will still be delighted to see you. Well, last week we announced details of the funeral service of our dear friend Janet Montgomery, which was held in Edinburgh. For those who were unable to travel, we are having a memorial service at Stevenson High Kirk on Wednesday the 11th of August at 11am. Once again, please contact the church on 01294 463356 if you would like to attend, since we have limited spaces. Well, the psalmist declares, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Well, let's worship the Lord together. In our opening hymn, I stand amazed in the presence.
Let us unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Gracious and eternal God and King, how we praise you for your power, your promises and your sweet presence. Guide our thoughts, our will, our heart's desires and our emotions by your Holy Spirit that our lives will be centred in Christ and bringing glory to you, our Heavenly Father. For you invite us to enter the King's Palace that we may behold the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And so, Lord, we do desire to enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. Yes, we desire to please you alone and to know your favour and blessing. But we also confess that we so often feel unprepared in the place of prayer. Our wings feel clipped despite our desire to soar into your nearer presence. Our disobedience, our selfish and self-centred ways cause us to stumble and fall. Our sins separate us from intimacy and hinder us from viewing your beauty and glory. O wash us clean, purify our hearts and may the fragrance of Christ fill our homes here this morning. Lord of glory, King of kings, O how we give thanks that we do not approach your throne as beggars but we come at your invitation. You invite all who have sinned to call upon you, that we may be saved, delivered and set free. You invite all who are burdened in life to come and rest in Christ. We therefore give thanks and praise for your mercy, forgiveness, love and grace. And as we worship you this morning, we know that it is your will to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Therefore, please fill us afresh with your spirit. Bathe us, revive us, perfume our nature, that we may know a fragrant life lived out for the glory of God, where many would be drawn to the loveliness of Christ. O draw us now into your presence, and let us hear your voice. Open your word to us, that we may know your heart. And Lord, as we pray together, We now join in the Lord's Prayer, saying together, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I'm now going to invite Daniel to come and read to us from the Word of God. Thanks, Daniel. This morning we read in the book of Esther, chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. Before a young woman's turn came to go in to King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the woman, six months with oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she would go there and in the morning return to another part of the harem to the care of Shazgaz. The king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. When the turn came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Abihail, to go to the king. She asked for nothing other than that Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favour of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the tenth month, the month of Tibeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any other of the women, and she won his favour and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti, and the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. May God bless to us the reading of his precious word. Amen. Well, let me ask you this morning, have you ever had that longing in your heart just to hear from God, to be reassured of his presence, to experience more of his power and majesty? Do you ever wish that God would just speak in an audible way, write clearly in the clouds, or phone you direct? Well, despite all our longings, all can seem quiet at times, can't it? God seems to be distant, or possibly absent. Well, Charles Swindle writes in his commentary, Though God may at times seem distant, and though he is invisible to us, he is always invincible. Well, this is the message of the book of Esther in a nutshell. It's remarkable to think that Martin Luther, the great reformer, struggled with it. John Calvin never preached from it. God's name is not even mentioned. The New Testament does not quote from it. And there are no copies found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, Matthew Henry writes, But though the name of God be not in it, the finger of God is directing many minute events. Oh, so true. Well, it is around a hundred years after the Babylonian exile. And although Jews returned under Zerubbabel, Ezra and Nehemiah, 
still many never returned, including this small Jewish community in the Persian capital city of Susa. Well, the drama of the book is told around three feasts, the Feast of King Xerxes, Esther's Feast, and then a new celebration feast, the Feast of Purim. Well, throughout the centuries, this book has encouraged the Jewish people as they go through hard times. It was also a reminder of the faithfulness of God, even although God's name isn't even mentioned. Well, as well as the name of God not being mentioned in the book of Esther, it doesn't even mention law, sacrifices, offerings or even prayer. Well, we can suggest many reasons for these omissions. Could it be that this Jewish community had forgotten about God? No offerings, no sacrifices, no prayer. Well, despite the darkness of the hour, the book of Esther reminds us God will deliver his people. Many will know the story of the great hymn writer William Cooper, how he was racked with deep depression and despair. He even tried to kill himself. On one occasion he took poison and then he fell on his knife. He tried to jump into the Thames River. But through it all he would find solace in the heart of Christ. And so as he turns to Christ, he also makes friends with a dear, dear friend, John Newton. And together they wrote many, many hymns. Well, through all that William Cooper went through, he could still pen these words. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take, the clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break with blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err, and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. Oh, is that not the heart of the book of Esther? Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Well, for many, the book of Esther is merely a rags-to-riches story where a Jewish orphan girl, Hadassah, is chosen at a beauty pageant to be the next queen of Persia and who would ultimately save the Jewish people from annihilation. We're therefore invited into the drama of Mordecai and Esther, but I believe the book is more of an invitation to behold the providence and sovereignty of God. Well, a thousand years before Esther, God had asked King Saul to kill every one of the Amalekites. Yet Saul spares King Agag. The prophet Samuel ultimately slays the king and the kingdom is taken from Saul. We now discover that the evil character here, Haman, is a descendant of Agag and is the instigator of bringing a decree to destroy the Jewish people. Well, now enters the scene Mordecai, a Benjamite, of course the same tribe as King Saul. And so in a way we see Saul and Agag face to face again. But this time we're going to see victory for Mordecai. 
Well, in the opening scenes of chapter one, King Xerxes puts on a display of his greatness, where he claims to be the king of the world. On display, we see his power, wealth and glory. 180 days of feasting and drunkenness, followed by an extra week for a special palace party. But now the Persian kingdom begins to crumble. The kings and nobles get totally drunk and Vashti refuses to come to the king's party and therefore embarrasses the king. And so we see the kingdom crumble with the downfall of Vashti at the end of chapter 1. But as we enter chapter 2, we move forward four years. Xerxes has returned depressed after being defeated in war by the Greeks. Legend tells us that he went with five million men and returned with five thousand. Vashti is off the scene and now enters God's star of the show, Esther. Well, this morning, I don't want to dwell so much on the purpose of the book of Esther or even the plot of the book of Esther. But as we read earlier in chapter 2, I would love us to spend a moment on the person of Esther. Well, her Hebrew name Hadassah meant myrtle, which was a beautiful fragrant plant whose flowers were star-shaped. Well, Esther was her Persian name, meaning star. Other scholars have traced her name to meaning hidden. She was an orphan girl of a noble Jewish family, brought up by her cousin Mordecai, who was like a father to her. Well, here we see Esther brought against her will to the king's palace, yet locks her wings. Yes, Esther, she's like the eagle. When a storm comes, the eagle will lock its wings and will begin to soar to higher places. In contrast, smaller birds tend to flap in a storm and get killed on the rocks below. And so here she obeys Mordecai without question. And so she's entrusted to Hegai, the king's eunuch. In verse 9, we're told that she pleased Hegai and won his favour. Another translation expresses that she lifts grace into the face of Haggai. Oh, I like that. And so she enters the harem of the king of Persia. Well, as we are drawn by the person of Esther, here in chapter 2 we also notice the preparation of Esther. Her life is to be devoted to gaining a night with the king. But for Esther, it's not just a night. It's a life with the king. The goal is to be queen not to be content in the harem. Many are happy to be on the premises of the palace, but never entering into the inner chamber of the king's bedroom. Here Esther now prepares herself. She spent six months, we read, in oil, and six months in perfume. I confess that after I read of Esther's preparation to have a life with the king, I thought about my own life. How am I being prepared for a life with the King of Kings? How are we preparing for heaven? As Esther spent six months in oil, the Christian ought to be filled with the Spirit, and not just for six months, but daily. Esther had to watch her diet, making sure that she was eating the right things. She also spent six months bathed in the most expensive perfumes and heavenly fragrances. Her preparation would lead to a fragrant life. We notice that the chosen concubines were also allowed to take something for themselves from the royal treasury for their night with the king. But oh, look at Esther. 
She didn't take anything for herself, but only what Hegai recommended. For Hegai would know what the king would like. Here she thinks nothing of herself, but chose something that would please the king. Esther sought to catch the king's heart and not just to get his gifts. Oh, what a beautiful, fragrant life. Oh, is that not the kind of life that you want to live? Well, I know it's the life that I would love to live. Well, we close in our thoughts as we think of Esther's promotion. Yes, Esther won the king's favour and approval and she was made queen. And now a great banquet is held in her honour. Oh, I like that. Well, one day all the Lord's people will be called home to spend our life with the King of Kings. What a promotion. But before the Christian is promoted, we must be prepared. Oh, are you preparing to meet him? Not just for a night, but for a lifetime with the King of Kings. So how do we prepare? Well, we're to be born again of the Spirit. We're to be bathed all over. We're also to be daily filled with the Spirit of God. When we seek to be filled daily, then we will carry the beautiful fragrance of Christ. Oh, we must also watch what we feed upon. What are we devoting ourselves to? What's consuming all our time and our thoughts? Are we feeding on Christ? daily in his word, spending time in his presence. Oh, the Lord is preparing a banquet for us, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Oh, can I encourage you this morning, will you seek to live to please the King of Kings? Well, the Apostle Paul reminds us in Second Corinthians chapter 2 at verse 15, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Oh, my prayer for you all who are listening this morning comes in the hymn of Graham Kendrick. May the fragrance of Jesus fill this place. May the fragrance of Jesus fill this place. Lovely fragrance of Jesus rising from sacrifice of lives laid down in adoration. May the glory of Jesus fill his church. May the glory of Jesus fill his church. Radiant glory of Jesus shining from our faces as we gaze in adoration. May the beauty of Jesus fill my life. May the beauty of Jesus fill my life. Perfect beauty of Jesus fill my thoughts, my words, my deeds, my all I give an adoration. Oh, God bless you as you seek to live your life for Jesus, your King. Well, let's worship the Lord together as we sing in this beautiful hymn, Sweet Rose of Sharon, sung by Aileen Gilchrist. Yeah. 
to lead us in our intercessory prayers. Thanks, Helen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have a great high priest who is seated at your right hand and is interceding for us, so we can approach your throne of grace with confidence in order to receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. As we come, we ask for a blessing on all our brothers and sisters and their families and friends, whether they are part of our own Highkirk family or are to be found across your world. Provide for those in need and help us all to reach out and encourage in any way we can. 
We pray for strength and courage for those who are being persecuted because they belong to you and still seek to spread the good news of Jesus. May we, who are blessed with so much freedom, be mindful to hold in prayer those who pay a price for seeking to be faithful witnesses. Do bless the work of bodies such as the Barnabas Trust and Platform 67 as they endeavour to keep the needs of the suffering church to the fore. Father, we are so grateful for the further easing of restrictions, but we remember the people who are still affected by the pandemic. We think of the recent increase in the numbers of young people who have been admitted to hospital and pray for your comfort and healing, whatever their condition may be. Help us to continue to act responsibly and do give wisdom to all who have to make decisions regarding the future direction of your church. May we all be faithful witnesses for you, wherever we are and whatever our circumstances. Help us to take time to be with you and to reflect your love and mercy to a needy world. Give us a deep hunger and thirst for you and let us see you come in power in our community. Lord, we plead with you again to send revival so that many who are lost will be found and your name will truly be honoured. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayers as we ask everything in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we now worship the Lord together as we sing in our closing hymn, All to Jesus I Surrender. i uh-huh. 
Let us go in the strength of the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and always. Amen. <laughs>